0: Welcome to the Dayspring Community Church Podcast. Check out our website at dayspringonline.org. And now, Dr. Matt Friedemann. So we're in the upper room, uh, and the upper room discourse is typically understood to be John 13 to 17. So we're just doing a sermon series saying, in this last discipleship meeting, before Jesus dies, what kind of things does he consider crucial for us to know, for us to experience? And today, we talk about how help Is on the way. In fact, that is how Jesus talks about the Spirit here. Now, my translation is the N A S B, which is, so it uses helper. Your translation might say counselor or advocate. Some of the other terminologies, all those terminologies are great. But I'm going to tell you, that's part of the problem here with this term. It's so big, it's so huge, it's so important that different translations just translate it differently. I'm getting to be, the older I get, the simpler it is, the better, for my little noggin here. I like simplicity, and helper is a nice word for me. I get help. Advocate, uh, counselor, uh, paracletos, some of these, but helper? Yeah, I I can understand that. The Holy Spirit is going to come to us, and he's going to help us. I just looked it up, Merriam-Webster. I said, I wonder what the definition of help is. And help means to make it easier for someone to do something. So the helper's going to come and make things easier for us. You're thinking, well, what kinds of things? We'll, we'll get to that here in just a minute. But I, uh, I'm i mindful that several years ago, it might be 20, even 30 years ago, I heard this pastor from uh, Texas, a guy named Tony Evans. Anybody know Tony Evans? Great, great speaker. But Tony Evans is talking about the Holy Spirit and this is just an illustration, not the only illustration, but an illustration that he used to describe the Holy Spirit was this. He says, I remember the first time it happened to me. I was in an airport, and uh, we we're walking along, and all of a sudden, guys that I was walking beside, all of a sudden, are walking much faster than I am. They, they seem to be going just like we were going a moment ago, but now, they're just zipping out there about twice as fast as I was going. I'm thinking, what happened? Why are they going faster? He says, for the first time in my life, for the first time in an airport, I saw something that was called a moving walkway. You know what I'm talking about, right? Go to these airports, and they will have some walkways for, I don't know, old geezers like me that don't want to walk. In fact, if you don't want to walk, you can just stand there and it'll take you. But if you want to walk, man, it makes your walking much more efficient and much faster. And Tony Evans says, and that's what the Holy Spirit can do for your life. It can make you more efficient. It can make you faster. It can make you better. And y'all, it's going to happen. It's going to happen to you. It's going to happen to your family. It can happen to your church. If you are willing to say, we abandon ourselves and abandon ourselves to the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden now, I say, take over. Completely take over. We believe there are two great moments in a person's life. One is when you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you say, here it is. But as Dennis Kenlaw says, you need to walk a while with Jesus to find out how deep of a sin problem you really have. And eventually, the Holy Spirit wakes you up to say, now, I don't need just the Holy Spirit in me or beside me. I need for Him to take over. I need to be filled with this Spirit. I need for Him to take over every part of my life, my sexuality, my addictions, my money, my power, my relationships, my marriage, how I relate to my children, I need for him to take over. And that's the day when the Spirit can come in and absolutely change you. Now, I'm going to tell you, when I came to know Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, I was just going to do a little chart here for you. Can you take a chart? I was going down. And I got saved, and I started going up. But when I came to know the Spirit, I really started going up. I mean, my life dramatically changed when I gave Him everything, when I was filled with Him, when I abandoned my life to Him. And that's the challenge here today. I believe God wants to do that to you individually, but I also believe He wants that to happen for our church. And He wants to absolutely fill us to the very brim. Now, you say, "Fill for what? You say, He can make us... Better? He can make us more efficient? He can make us move along faster? For what purpose? Well, I believe Jesus teaches us. For the great commandments and the great commission. You cannot love him with all your heart until you abandon yourself fully to him. You cannot love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, unless you say, <clears throat> I want to be filled to the very brim. I want all of him and all of me boy, when that happens, I'm going to tell you, it changes you. It'll change your life. You need to say to the Lord, I want that in my life, and I'm going to pray for it. I'm going to beg it. I'm going to cry out to God until it happens. And when it happens, you'll know it's happened. You'll say, yeah, it happened, pastor. I was filled, and now I'm a different man. I'm a different woman. I'm different I've always been a Christian, so all the way since back seventh grade, all the way since I was 25, all the way since I was 30. I've been a Christian, but now I'm filled with the Spirit, and it makes all the difference. And it does, y'all. I'm just going to tell you it does. He wants to fill you so he can be your helper in a dramatic way. So the Great Commission, I want you to go make disciples. And boy, your life will be fruitful spiritually when you abandon yourself to him. I'm going to love him with all I've got. And I'm gonna love my neighbor as I love myself. Oh my goodness. Think about this, y'all. Jesus in Luke says someone asked him, just who is my neighbor? Well, glad you asked. Let's talk about it. man's going down a highway and all of a sudden gets beat up. By the way, it's called the bloody pathway. 18 miles from Jerusalem to Jericho. 18 miles called the bloody pathway. And one guy got beat up and got beat up good. And here comes a pastor. He says, nope, don't got time. Got services to make. And this meant never be late for church service. Then comes a worship leader. And he stops, looks, and says, no, nah, I can't. I've got to lead music for the guy that just was ahead of me. i gotta keep, I got to get going. They didn't have time to help the guy. And Then the hated race guy came, called the Samaritan. And the Samaritan looked, and it moved him. Now, I don't know if he was full of spirit or not, but I can guarantee you the first two guys weren't. And the Samaritan had something of the Spirit on him or in him or through him, had some touch of the Holy Spirit that caused him to stop, look and say, I I don't care if this is the bloody pathway. I don't care if gangsters could get us both. I don't care if I could get killed for this moment. I am going to respond to human need as I see it. And he did. You cannot love God with all your heart. You cannot love your neighbors. You love yourself. And you cannot fulfill the great commission like he wants you to until you are full of the helper. So get full of him. Make that cry out to him until it happens. Cry out to God and get full of that helper. Get full of that spirit. Second thing is this. This spirit convicts. Verse 8. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, I've been here in Jackson, Mississippi, in the ministry in Jackson, Mississippi, for 32 years. And I've always wondered, why did this guy respond when I tell him the good news about Jesus, and this guy doesn't? And all I can say is, I don't know. What I think I can say is, but I know the Spirit's working on both of these guys, and this guy's turn today to say yes to Jesus. The, the Holy Spirit brings people to conviction. Have you ever thought about this when you evangelize? It's actually four against one. Father, Son, Spirit, and you against the one getting evangelized. Bring it on. I like those odds. One on one, I might be scared. Four on one, I got a chance here. Particularly when the other three are God. I got a chance here. So, sometimes I plant a seed. Sometimes I harvest a soul. I don't know which is which. All I know is I really have very little to do with it. The Spirit of God was convicting that person's soul. He is convicting this person. He's not ready yet. He's convicted this person, and he is ready. So I'll harvest this, and I'll continue to plant seeds and pray for this. But Jesus, I want you to know this spirit of Jesus, this Holy Spirit, the convicting spirit is at work. N.T. Wright, great biblical scholar and pastor, tells this story about a friend who's an archbishop. He said, uh, this archbishop was hearing the confession of sin from three hardened teenagers. And they were coming in, and it was a joke to them. They decided, hey, let's go in and have some fun with the archbishop. Yeah, let's go in and, and confess sins that we haven't even done. And then we'll just we'll run out laughing. And so there were three of them. And one came in and did that long list of ridiculous and grievous sins he hadn't even committed. It was all a joke to him. He ran out laughing. Second kid came in, and... Uh, Bishop just played along with him. He, uh, he confessed all these sins. The archbishop knew full well he hadn't committed, and he was laughing all the way through it. He got up, went out laughing. The archbishop said, well, maybe we'll do a little something different for the third one. So the third one came in, and he too, the third prankster, just started saying, hey, this is what I've done, this is what I've done, <laughs> this is what <ought> I've done, <laughs> this is what I've done. And the archbishop stopped and says, young man, you confess these sins. Thank you. Now. I want you to do something to show your repentance. And the kid was thinking, hey, this will be even a better story because I don't want to do just what the other two guys did. This will even be better. Okay, okay. What do you want me to do, Archbishop? Well, the Archbishop said, I want you to walk up to the far end of the church. I want you to look at the picture of Jesus hanging on the cross. I want you to look at his face, the face of Jesus bleeding on the cross. And I want you to say to him three times, You did all that for me. I don't care that much. I want you to do it three times. Go. So the boy went out grinning. Went down the aisle of the church, went all the way to Jesus on the cross. He looked up into the picture of Jesus, looked up into the face of Jesus, and he says, you did all that for me. I don't care that much. You did all that for me. I don't care that much. But he couldn't get the third one out. Because he broke down in tears. The archbishop that was telling that story says, I know the story's true because I was that third boy. Y'all, there's something about the cross. No question about it. There's something about the cross. But at the end of the day, the cross is just a Roman piece of torture. But the Holy Spirit brings a conviction through the cross into our lives. The Holy Spirit brings a conviction of Jesus' suffering into our lives. The Holy Spirit brings a conviction that if you know Him today, you know about that conviction because it brought you here to the point of saying, I am a Christian because of that Jesus on that cross through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Truth would be the third thing this morning. Verse 12, I have many more things to say to you, said Jesus, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. I want to talk about two of those terms here today, truth and guide. Three times in the Upper Room Discourse, Jesus described the third person of the Trinity as the spirit of truth. So apparently it's an important term. Spirit of truth, spirit of truth, spirit of truth. I've wondered... Why? Oh, we always talked about this already in the Upper Room Discourse because it's come up before now. Spirit of truth. Why not spirit of joy? Why not spirit of love? Why not spirit of faithfulness? Why did Jesus choose the term truth to describe the third person of the Trinity and His impact on our life? Why spirit of truth? And I've got to confess you, I don't know. But I have to wonder this that Jesus knew we'd always have a problem with truth. We'd always have a problem with the true. By that I mean this. In chapter 18, cynically, Pilate, the man in power in this part of the world, would look at Jesus and say, yeah, what is truth? Didn't take long for that to happen. I'm thinking about the word truth right now. Merriam-Webster's Word of the Year in 2006. They didn't you know it. They had words of the year. Word of the Year in 2006. It's usually a new word, something that's kind of caught on. And so when it catches on, they decide to put it in their dictionary. And the word for 2006 was truthiness. Truthiness. Stephen Colbert got it going, apparently. Truthiness. And truthiness is this. The quality of seeming or being felt to be true even if it's not necessarily true, but we feel like it ought to be true—that's truthiness. We feel like it should be, even if it's not. We have the current term "fake news," which speaks volumes, doesn't it? Oxford Dictionaries just named "post-truth" as its word of the year. In response to Oxford Dictionaries, Time said, "All right, we're going to do a whole issue on this." So it's April third, two thousand seventeen. Cover said, "Is truth dead?" In 2018, you remember New York mayor, former New York mayor, Rudy Giuliani, claimed truth isn't truth during an interview with Chuck Todd on NBC. And Then we all remember President Clinton, who back in 1998, existentially pondered what an attorney's definition of is is as it deals with my sexual transgressions. We've got a problem with truth. We had it all the way back to the time of pilot. We have the problem today. That's why Jesus says, hey, he's the spirit of truth. And in an age where you have problem with truth, the spirit's going to be there wanting to fill you so that he can use you in a culture of truthiness. And that's why I think Jesus said spirit of truth. Listen, if we're going to live in this culture, and we are, we're going to live here, He doesn't just need for us to be salt and light. He needs us to be true salt and true light. He needs for us to accept Him as capital T true and live out our lives. And we're going to have to recognize some things are true and some things are not true. And even if you decide, hey, I'm on top of the building right now and I declare there is no such thing as a law of gravity, you can say it, but my tall recommendation is don't jump. My tall recommendation is if you're dumb enough to say it, go ahead. Just make sure you don't jump off the building. Because if you're high enough, you will die. Whether you believe there is no law of gravity or not. I love you, e. Stanley Jones. And e. Stanley Jones says, hey, listen, there's the way and there is not the way. If you want water, H2O is the way. It's the only way. You don't get water any other way. H2O is it. That's your option. You got an optional one, H2O. That's all you get. Not the way it's H3O. I have no idea what that is. Not the way it's H4O. I have no idea what that is. All I know is it ain't water. So I was reminded of a poem the other day. I had to sit down and think through it, and it took me a grand five minutes to finally get it down. So here I didn't write it. I just want you to know. I remembered it, so that ought to count for something today. Here we go. Sammy Jones was a foolish man, and Sammy is no more For what he wanted to be H2O was H2SO4. That's a joke, so go ahead. Enjoy enjoy it with me. Listen, you can say that cup of stuff right there is water. I declare it to be water. I want it to be water. It's water. And if you drink it and it's H2SO4, you're drinking sulfuric acid, you're going to have a problem in the next few moments. doesn't matter what you declare it but what it really is there's the way and there's not the way there's truth and there is not the truth and the only way you're going to know it in a culture of chaos is to be guided by the Holy Spirit and that's what it says here. He will guide you in all the truth He will guide you the truth I uh, I appreciate that I, I've been to places where we've had tour guides. I'm the kind of personality that would say, don't need no stinking tour guide. Just you know, give us a thing we can read and let's go find a place. So that's the kind of personality. But I've done it enough to where my personality has changed. Now, I want to remind everybody here that uh, a couple years ago, this church said, hey, for this year's pastor appreciation, we're sending you and Mary to England, and we never went. We're still cashing in someday. So sometime, somewhere, somehow, I'm gonna. You can say no. I want I, I, you to say no. But I'm gonna poke my head up and says, "Can I go now?" Might be five years now, but can I go now? Wanna go to England now? So someday we're going to England. And when we go to England, my first thought is, let me just take myself around England. Me and Mary can do this. Just get us a car and you drive on the wrong side of the road, and we'll get the place we need to go. Let's just go ourselves. That'll be my first inclination but I'll correct myself because I've been on enough tours where a tour guide is an awful great thing to have. I've been to Israel, and I'm glad we didn't just go it alone. I'm glad there was someone who had plenty of education, who had done this before, who knew the places that crowds like me like, and they would say, okay, how long do you have? If I tell the tour guide I got a year, oh my goodness, what an education I'm about ready to get. If I don't have a year, if I tell him. I have eight days, which is what we had. He says, well, okay, with eight days, boy, you, you say you're, okay, this is what you, are evangelical, you love Jesus. Okay, these are the places you're really going to like. I know that because I've done this a thousand times before. If I tell him i got three days, whoa, three days, whoo. So he's going to leave some things out and get me in on some other things because he knows guys like me like these kinds of things. I've done it a thousand times before. Listen, some of us here today could be dead in three months. Had no idea, just a moment ago. We were saying, some in this room, and no one's died yet that I know of from the first service, but we had a sister that died. Not 120 seconds later. So I'm going to tell you, any of us could die any minute. Between now and that death, the Holy Spirit wants to guide you into the truth you're going to need in that moment of time. If it's 30 seconds, if it's 3 years, if it's 30 years, or if it's 60 years, however long you have, the Spirit wants to guide you into the truth you're going to need for those 60 years, 30 years, 3 months, 3 days, or 30 seconds. It's serious stuff. But Jesus says, you're going to need a guide. I'm going to give you the guide last thing is this. Disclose. Now, someone had revelation. He will reveal this to you. I don't know what it is, but my verse 13 says, the spirit of truth, it starts off spirit of truth, but it ends up with this line. The spirit of truth will disclose to you what is to come. Disclose to you. I like the word disclose. I'm not saying my translation is the best. I just like some of the things. it says. I like helper. I like disclose. Now, let me tell you, this comes from a Greek word, obviously, all these words come from Greek words, but just a little word inside here. Think with me about the term right now, evangelism. Can everybody spell that in your brain? Evangelism, all right? The key part of that word is angel, right in the middle. Angel. Angel is actually comes straight from the Greek. It's angel in the Greek. Angel. And angel is messenger. In the Greek, it's a messenger. So it may be a celestial being. It might just be someone that, whatever it is, an angel is a messenger. And EV in evangelism is goodness or wellness. So evangelism is a messenger of good news, a messenger of wellness, a messenger about how your life can be better if you just say yes to Jesus. That's what evangelist is. Well, what's fascinating is that's the guts of this word disclosed too. In in the, uh, the Greek, the gut is angel, but it has a prefix, A-N-A, A and A, not E V, not E U in the Greek. It's A and A. So angel plus A and A, Ana angel, Ana anga, and it means simply back and up. So it says here, He will disclose to you what is to come. But the word disclose is, hey, He's going to disclose you things that Jesus said back then, and He wants you to remember those things because you need to know what's about ready to happen. You need to know what you're supposed to do with about what's ready to happen. And so, by the way, if anybody needs a disclosure, it's the Church of Jesus Christ today because if times are tough, they could be getting tougher, and I need some people who are open to my disclosures. So I'm going to remind you of the things that happened back then. Now, this is why it's important for a Christian to be reading the Bible. You need to read the Bible regularly, and I think you need to read Jesus every day. So I'd read some of the Old Testament, some of the New Testament, but always read some Jesus every day because the Lord says, hey, I'm going to remind you the things that happened back there. So good news, messenger of the things that happened back here. One of the reasons we need to read, particularly a new Christian, is I don't know what Jesus said. That's why you need to read. Read, 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 read. Read John. Read Mark. Read Luke. Read Matthew. Read so that you can have something the Spirit can refer back to. Remember that? Going to be poor in spirit. Remember that? When someone's dying by the side of the road, I want you to be the one to stop. Remember that? You can pray and expect healing. Remember that? Remember those things? But the other thing it means is not just, hey, I'm going to remind you, I'm going to message to you what happened back there. But it also means up, which means back and up. Remember we had here uh, Hal Perkins. Hal Perkins had a great line. He says, I'm going to take vertical, which is up, and horizontal, which is this way, and I'm going to put them together. Verizontal. You need to write that down. I don't see anybody taking notes. You need to write that down. Verizontal. Billy, got it? Verizontal. Verizontal is vertical plus horizontal, which means, hey, I'm going to tell you what happened back there in the horizontal, but sometimes I'm going to declare you right here, right now, what you need to know, Will, in the next 60 seconds. Now okay, can you think he can do that? It won't contradict what happened back there, what I told you back there, but you need to know some things right now and what I need to do that poor in spirit teaching right now in the predicament you're in. You believe Jesus can actually communicate to us that way? I'm going to send the guide, the discloser, I'm going to send the helper to tell you what I told you back there, but I'm also going to sometimes need to say, hey, right here, right now, this is what you need to know. It will not contradict that stuff, but you need to know this right here, right now, act on it. Move it! <laughs> Let me conclude this way. Verse 6. Jesus is telling them, I'm, I'm leaving, I'm going. I got to go so that this helper can come. I'm leaving, I'm going. Verse 6. But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But 50... Days and some change from now. Sorrow will no longer fill your heart. I will fill your heart. The helper will fill your heart. The guide will fill you to the very brim. It's about ready to happen. Fifty, two, three days from now. I'm about ready to fill you. And from that moment on. Life will never be the same around here. And if he could say that to the disciples back then, I want you to know he saying it to you today. Abandon yourself to me. Let me fill you to the very brim. And watch to see what's going to happen. Jesus, do it. Spirit of the living God, do it. Breathe on us. Breath of God. Fill us with life anew. That we would love what you love. and That we would do what you would do. In the name of the Father. And the Son. And the Helper Spirit we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. God bless you, Dayspring. Thank you.